When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello everyone and welcome back to the same old Arsenal podcast. Bit of a new one tonight. It's a new show that we've been brewing up in the works for, I would say some time, but it's been kind of one of those, we talked about doing it, we talked about not doing it, but we're here, we're doing a preview. We should have started at the start of the season, but better late than never, we're going into it with a big game that we've got this Saturday, Fulham at home, and I couldn't be more delighted to be joined with one of my favourite guests LL Cool J, JJ, James Johnston. I'm not sure what to call you. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, I'm very well. Well, all, all free work and I've been called much worse. So, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the nice intro. And hello, chat and everybody watching. That's all right, mate. So, out of curiosity, I'm just asking for my own personal uh, sake here. What what do you prefer to be called? Uh, I, I'm, honestly, I'm happy with anything. Just whatever you, whatever's easiest for you, just go for it, mate. It's fine. Well, I no, like I'm all three. So, so maybe maybe <laughs> maybe between the uh, between the sections we've got to talk about tonight, I'll I'll mix it up. But um, that's about as exciting as it's going to get with my hosting. Um, but first and foremost, mate, I mean we're going into this game on the back of what was a I think we can all agree a very hard fought win against Crystal Palace. Um, I know the guys have already spoken about it previously, not too long ago. But what were your thoughts just on that game? Yeah, um, a bit like you've just said. I, I thought it was a very uh, hard, hard fought point. I mean, um, there was a lot of consensus that I read from certain people saying that we were rubbish. I, I don't believe that's the case. I, I think we absolutely dominated that first half. Uh, we were unlucky, obviously, with Nketiah not putting the chances away that he had. Martinelli also had one in the fifth minute that he should have done better with as well. So we could have easily have been 3 0 up there at half time should have really been three. If you look at the chances, all three of them should have been scored. Uh, so we could have easily been three nil up there. You had the other and Ketia penalty shout in the first half, which I've seen given. I know um, it would have been soft, but per these new rules and everything, James, that are in place, that to me would have constitute as a penalty. Um, and then second half, when we did get what we got uh, with a penalty that Odegaard stepped up and scored, I think that we started to play football that was very much of a defensive and slightly you know more cautious nature when they were there for the taking I would have maybe gone on the front foot a little tiny bit more and tried to get another one however you you always know with this especially like it's like an Achilles heel for Arsenal that having a lead and throwing a lead away can happen Um, but no I I, obviously the Tommy Asu incidents it's never a red card I can't believe that and then with these rules that you can't appeal them when they're two yellows as well. It's ridiculous. Um, it was never, never too, you know, two bookable offences for me. The first one I could sort of see actually on, on reflection. I mean, it's Havertz has dropped him in it by holding the ball for 28 seconds before then letting him have it for eight. But um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those really. And um, 
yeah, I, I was impressed with the way that we fought that out. You know, Arsenal of a couple of years ago, I don't think they hold on to that lead there. I think they draw that game. So I quite like that we had the options on the bench that when they did come on, they all did well and they all defended and retained the ball very well as well. Yeah, I completely agree as well. Um, that first half, I mean, we I don't think it's quite as electrifying or as dynamic the football uh, compared to what we saw maybe at the start of last season. But I think if you compare this game to when we played Palace away in August of last year, that was very much a cagey game. You know, they were, I think they offered more of an attacking threat on that day because you've got to remember they had Zahar. I think they had Elise playing that day, whereas we were coming up against the Palace side that, you know, were a little bit threadbare. They didn't have Elise. Zahar's obviously gone to Galatasaray. So this was a, a game that I think we, we dealt better with in some ways than we did in the previous fixtures. So although that might sound a bit odd, um, I think if we put some of those chances away and we go into, you know, the second half 2 0 up. This could be a very different scoreline. We could be talking about the game in a very different way. But we always forget that game state really does dictate how we look back at a result. And I really enjoyed that low block we had after the Tomiyasu booking, what well, a second booking, because it was a long time that we had to deal with, you know, having 10 men on the pitch. And there was wave after wave of Palace attack. And we ended the game with practically everyone being a defender on the pitch and Havertz as our kind of out ball, which he did very well, by the way. But... Um, I really liked that defensive display. I know it's not going to excite everyone, but I completely agree with you in the sense that not too long ago, you know, even what well, we saw last season, that we were giving up those kinds of leads in the crunch games. So to have ground it out, to have played that well um, from a defensive point of view, yeah, I'm really pleased with that. Um, but interesting comment from Phil Macker that says, we aren't as fluid as we were last season. I can completely see why people are saying that. Um and we're going to touch on how the system's working a little bit later. But do you feel that way inclined, JJ? Yeah, but the the main reason to that is, is at the moment, we haven't had the first 11 that started last season so fluid. Um, and what I will say to that is, is that last season, if you look at it, we came out the blocks flying straight away. And arguably, for 30 weeks of the season, James, we were pretty much flawless because we just kept on, kept on. But then the steam ran out and the players got injured. And and that basically, on top of, like you said, game state and everything else, cost Arsenal winning a, a title. And I think now, with with this more sort of cautious approach that we are taking, I think that's preserving the chance of less burnout to certain players and giving us the t- you know giving us more control is the word i like to use than what we've had previously i mean defensively like you said that performance the other day it was so well controlled you know kivior every time i see him he looks like he's becoming a better player sinchenko having him back's massive i thought jorginho someone who when we signed him i wasn't sure but he keeps proving me wrong every time he's stepping onto the pitch so yeah i was i was very impressed and you know we're, we're bedding in people like you said there into a new system it's it's clearly obvious to me and I, you know a lot of people are like oh has Gabriel been dropped because you know he's going to Saudi Arabia and I, d- I do look at it and think the money that they are offering for certain people James is absolutely ridiculous and they can be swayed I mean there's a big talk today about Salah has according to B in sports he said I want to go he's you know Liverpool are saying no we're not selling and he's going to Liverpool no sell me so <laughs> that could be a very interesting one to watch there But I I think you're looking at it and you're like, okay, if we're going to do this inverted role, but we haven't got Sinchenko on the left to do it, we're flipping it over to the right-hand side and getting Thomas Partey to do it. And then we're sort of going to a back three. We're not really having a left. I know Tomiyasu was per se a left back, but to me it seemed like it was out of possession. It's a three. But then obviously when they're coming through, then we make it into a four. And I I don't think Thomas, for me, Thomas Partey, I thought was brilliant the other night. I I know he's very much a player that, you know, a lot of people have opinions on, uh, but I thought he was fantastic, James. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm inclined to agree with you, mate. You're making this very easy for me because there's nothing to disagree with so far. But the one thing I would say, uh, because there's two things you mentioned there. First of all, you know, the potential of Gabriel going to Saudi Arabia, which I'm in complete denial about, which um, I didn't have on my agenda for this evening. But, you know, it's definitely worth speaking about because 
player sales for us has been a problem. Like we're what just literally just over a week away and we've sold barely anyone. We've literally made no money this window. So we definitely have to look at our outgoings. Um, but the one thing I was going to mention with regards to Thomas Partey playing at right back, I think the one thing that caught me a little bit off guard with him playing there is that we didn't really do it in pre-season or at least I didn't see us do it a great deal. I know we did it towards the end of last season. I know it worked to great effect on the final day of the season. He had a great game that day as well, but I didn't see it throughout pre-season. So I was a bit surprised that we started the season with it. And I'm even more surprised that we did it for two games in a row. Now I was going to talk about the system a little bit later, but whilst we're on the topic, we might as well cover it now. Going into this game against Fulham, do you think that we will still see that system continue? Or do you think it's a case of Zinchenko comes in, we go back to the back four that did so well for us last season, or we see Zinchenko come in and Partey continue at right back and Saliba and White as the centre-halves? Yeah, I think that we will go back to what it was last season. I I don't think he's going to go for two inverted players on either side um, for me. But it's one of those where you ask the question then, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun because you want to do the uh, you want to do the lineup later. So um, it, you know, rate yeah, hold, me on, if, hold off on it, mate. Hold <laughs> off on me it. In. Yeah, because it, it asks it asks a lot of questions. Because for me, there are going to be certain people there. Who is it that's going to be dropped? Which is a question you've just posed to me. I know, but I think it's you're not just dropping one. You're dropping a, you, you know, there's two. There's two, maybe three that you swap out. So I'll wait for when you get up to that point, mate. Yeah, I think, again, I mean, I could wax lyrical about, you know, what we could potentially do with a team lineup because, I mean, it's a, even with the injuries to Timber, Jesus, um, you know, we've had Zinchenko missing for these first two games of the season. We are so lucky to have so many options at our disposal. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing to not have depth, but to have options and quality in depth. It's something that we we haven't had for a long time. But, you know, we've, we've done 10 minutes and we've not even spoken about who we're playing this weekend. So Saturday, 3pm, Emirates Stadium, exactly how football should be. I can't wait to get back there. Coming up against the Fulham side um, that I think, in all honesty, we should be having the beating of. Um, they just got battered 3-0 at home to Brentford. They did win on the opening day against, with with all due respect, a very, very poor Everton side. I will be very underwhelmed if we don't get all three points here, JJ. I mean, it should be a should be a straightforward three points for the Arsenal, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I mean, um, they, they were fantastic last season. And you looked at it and thought, can they carry this momentum over? And... You know, okay, I hadn't watched both of their games in full, but from what I've seen, you know, on the match of the days and what have you of this world, they haven't impressed me like you said at all. I mean, I thought they were very fortunate in that Everton game to get that goal disallowed. Um, I believe that's a Leno error that I've seen many, many a time when he was in an Arsenal shirt that he was lucky to get away with. And then uh, Brentford just absolutely pummeled them. Again, it was another, they're a team that are well drilled with a system, a bit like us, depending on what our system's going to be. Um, and they took them to the sword. And I, I do believe that we will do the same. Uh, I think they're an ageing squad. I think one of their best players in what you said earlier to me about Tim Ream not being available, I think he's suspended, isn't he? He picked up a red card at the weekend. Him not being there defensively, that opens them up a bit for me. And Mitrovic also leaving. I don't really, as much as I still think Jimenez is a good player, he is nowhere near the level of fear that Mitrovic provides. So I'm not entirely worried at all. You know, Fulham, for me, their owner, he also owns various, you know, he owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and he also owns a wrestling promotion. That wrestling promotion's got a show on Sunday at Wembley. When he has a lot of things on, he spreads himself very, very thin. So I think he's, as much as it's annoying uh, Fulham fans because they want signings and they want to get depth and hopefully you know they, they, a lot of people are saying they could be contenders for relegation I don't think they're I don't think they're anywhere near that I wouldn't worry about that at all but uh, you know he, he's got other priorities that he's focusing on at the moment and I think this game for us should be a dead cert really. Well it's funny you say that because I actually do think that they could be in a relegation scrap because they haven't really strengthened this summer window, and they, they're they losing key players. Mitrovic, you know, fantastic for them last season. 
one of these players that I, I can't wrap my head around why he's going to Saudi Arabia. I mean, he's got so much to offer the Premier League. Of, oh, yeah, obviously, it's the, the financial aspect. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason they're going, mate. That's the only reason they're going. But it's a shame, mate. Like, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of good players are going there. Um, I mean, if someone like Gabriel was to go there, I would start getting seriously concerned. But Mitrovic is a player that I still think offered a lot to the Premier League character-wise and in terms of quality. And it's a big shame for a team like Fulham. But obviously, it plays into our hands because we've got to take advantage of that. Jimenez, over the hill for me. I don't think he's anywhere near the level of Mitrovic. I don't think he's anywhere near the level of what he was a couple of seasons ago. So he's not a player that particularly concerns me. Wouldn't be surprised if William did something in this game. But like you say, I mean, um, they've, they've lost the likes of Solomon as well. Um, and to be honest, I, I can't really think of any standout players in their squad. Um, the, the only one that I like is Polinia in the middle. Yeah. And I like that Bobby Cordova Reed. Yeah. He's, 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 he's quick. He's got, he's got, he's, he's got a bit of pace, but it, in terms of, of the players that are there, I, I do, I do look at it and I think polinia has got, polinia has got something about him. I, I, I think that he's, He's using them potentially as a stepping stone to a bigger club in the future. I think he's got. I think he's got what it takes to play for a bigger team. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if if a big bid came in for him. I mean, we know that West Ham were linked with him. They were looking at him as a potential rice replacement. If if a you know a top six club, maybe in any league in the world, was to come in for him, I really wouldn't be surprised if Fulham were to you know, cash in on him, um, especially if, you know, their, their owner is juggling multiple different balls, as you say. So, yeah, that will be an interesting one to watch. But again, you know, with them losing Tim Ream, defensively susceptible, they've looked shaky um, in that game against Brentford. It, it's, it's just got to be a straightforward three points. Um, I do remember in the game last year, it wasn't as straightforward as I think a lot of us wanted it to be. It was actually the game at Craven Cottage where I just thought we dominated them from start to finish. Um, but... You know, we have got one slight cause of concern in that we do not have Takahiro Tomiyasu, given that he um, was on the brunt of a ridiculous uh, two yellow cards. Um, We're not going to get into that because we could be here all day. But uh, I mean, like we were saying before, we've got options at our disposal. For for me, if you're going to lose Tomiyasu... Um, you know, he, with, with all due respect to him, he, he's not like a key, key, key member of that first 11. He's very much the way I view him with all due respect is as more of those, you know, kind of, um, adaptable players. I don't know what the best way to describe it is, but versatile can come in, can do a job exactly as he has done against the likes of Crystal Palace and Forest. And, you know, very unfortunate to see that red card in the game against Palace. But if there's ever going to be a game that you want to lose a player for, is Fulham at home, especially this Fulham side. So I'm not too concerned about that. Um, but with him being out, I mean, we may as well start to edge towards the team lineup. What would you be looking to do in a defensive department? Oh, Sinchenko comes straight back in for me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Um, yeah, I I put I put Sinchenko in there. Um, there was pictures today of uh, Raul Waters training with the team. I, I think it's far too early for him, but I'm glad to see him in there. I'm glad to see him as part of the group because 
on the small sample size that I have seen in play, I think that Real Waters looks like a really, really good player. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I go back with Zinchenko. And again, mate, we're talking about the players that we drop. Shall I hold fire? Or do you want me to go now? Or Give it a couple of minutes, mate. Give yeah, it a couple yeah, of minutes. So. <laughs> All right, let's we'll, we'll edge our way into K- it. Kibior for me, as much as he can do left back, Sinchenko is fit now. Obviously, he come on as a sub, but he played. You've lost, you've lost a left, you've lost two left backs in two games because I think Timber was going to be the one that played there more often than not. Even though he's a right footer, I think he was he had that position nailed down until he did something drastically terrible or he wasn't performing in training for Zinchenko to come back in. I think Zinchenko had a real fight on his hands trying to get that left-back shirt back off Timber. Um, but yeah, I, I put Zinchenko straight back in. As, and Kivior, like I said, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a good player, but I'm not, you know, I'm not rushing him in straight away. Do you think that this is a game where Gabriel's going to come back into the team? I think he has to. Um, if he doesn't, it again leaves that Pandora's box open, like we said, of you know, there is, you know, there was murmurs of the Saudi thing. And then Fabrizio comes out and says no. And then it's slowly creeping back again now as it's going into. If he's not starting on Saturday, I would seriously believe that potentially he's had his head turned here. Well, I mean, it, it, I don't think it could even be a case of him having his head turned. I think we're, we're in a situation where there's going to come a point because we've spent so much money this window and in previous windows. And yeah, we have made a few sales, but nothing of real um, substance. If we don't get any money in for the likes of Balogun, Tierney, Sambi Lukonga, Cedric Suarez is still at the club, Rob Holding, if we're not going to raise funds in the next week, literally a week, then surely the club may have to be inclined to think, okay, we might have to get rid of one of our assets. And if there is an opportunity there for Gabriel to go for silly money, I'm talking 60-plus million perhaps, um, the club might have to, they might have their, you know, they might, they might be stuck. They might have to make that decision. I really, really hope it doesn't come to that. And I do hope this is more tactical and more of a case of we're bedding in the squad and making sure that we're not overplaying players. I really am inclined to believe it's that because Gabriel's performance when he came on against Palace, he played a big part of that game. And he was a big reason why we won it. You know, even had the captain's armband. I'd be very yeah. surprised if... It's just, I was just about to say, James, he's he's the third choice captain. Obviously, Odegaard's uh, numero uno. And then Jesus is vice. Obviously, Jesus isn't there. So it goes to Gabriel. And uh, if you remember straight after the game, when Arteta come onto the pitch, first player he gave the big hug to was Gabriel. And I don't know if that was to make a point of like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's not unsettled. Look at how we are together. But I, I do think he's he's one of the big, big characters. And you, you break up, which for me, by selling him, is our best defensive partnership since Toure and Sol Campbell. I know a lot of people did like Koscielny and Mertesacker, but... Oh, these, no, it's nowhere near. These, yeah, the, <laughs> no, these, no. Two, these two are big, strong. They are athletic. They, you know, they chip in with goals. I'd say in the league, if you want two centre-backs that are good in, a, in an opposition box with finishes them two are right up there. There's a reason a lot of people put Gabriel and Saliba in fantasy and it's not just for the clean sheets. It's because if need be, they've got a shot on them as well. Do you think it's a case of with these opening two games, we've been playing this way without Gabriel in the team purely because we've had Partey inverting on that right-hand side and we've not had Zinchenko available? Yes. Yeah, I do. I, I really do. Good. I hope that's the case. Um, and, you know, if we see the settled back four that we saw last season, then... Um, you know, we can all take a big sigh, a big, a big deep breath and relax a little bit because, yeah, I do not want to uh, even entertain the thought of big Gabby leaving for Saudi Arabia. He's such an important part of us over the past two seasons. He will be this season if he's to stay with us, which I'm sure he will. And you've got to remember, you know, come September, we're going to have the Champions League. The League Cup will come around as well. These games, these minutes are going to get shared between so many players, you know, the likes of Trossard, Smithrow, Fabio Vieira. Everyone's going to get minutes and uh, I, for one, can't wait. But, um, you know, before we get on to the really positive news, there is a little bit of a strange situation going on at London Colney at the minute where we seem to have kind of extradited a group of players that don't seem to be part of Mikel Arteta's plans. Now, I'm, I'm of both ways of thinking in that I think it's a bit strange, first of all, because if you've not had a falling out of a player, I do believe that they should 
still be part of the training group if they've not done anything wrong whether they're part of your long-term plans or not if that if they're not affecting morale i think they should be training with the team on the flip side i also see that arteta is building his core group and he wants that to be the core group i feel it's a little bit harsh on these guys but surely jj when you look at balogun tierney laconga cedric Tavares, all training on their own that's just going to bring their value down isn't it yeah, and this is this is the only massive criticism of this club that I still have, is that I don't think that we sell well. And I do believe that we have, and we still continue, to tank players' values. Um, even if they're not wanted, I don't think that you express it in such a way that basically makes them appeal to other, you know, appeals to sellers out of, these are cast-offs. So you're going to get low ball bids because people are like, well, you don't want them anyway. So why should I offer you? You know, as much as I'm still, a, I'm still a fan of Kieran Tierney, James. I, I believe that there will be oh, games. Me too, mate. Me too. There will be games this season where you will need a conventional fullback. You won't need the inversion and everything else. You will. Well, just so, need so, one. Sorry to interrupt you, mate, but oh, this on. is this is one thing that's been playing on my mind a little bit because I thought I I, I honestly thought Tierney would stay and he would get games this season, and it's reasons why. The game against Crystal Palace, if you're not going to play Tomiyasu, I really do think Tierney could fit that kind of inverted left centre-back role. Now, not inverted in terms of moving into midfield, but inverted in terms of being able to split his time between left-back and left centre-back. Because I remember when we won the FA Cup in Arteta's first full season and we played a back three with Kieran Tierney as that left-sided centre-half and he was fantastic there. I really do believe if we're going to occasionally play this way with the inversion happening from the right-hand side, I think we'd see it a lot more if Timber was fit. But if Partey is going to be the one to do it and we're going to play that way in some game states, Tierney has a place in this team. Obviously, he's not going to stay. So talking about this is pretty pointless. But he, he's one of these guys that I really thought if he, he was going to go, we're looking at 30 million plus. Honestly, I think we, we, we'll struggle to get 10 and that sounds ridiculous. Well, J- James, there are English clubs that are screaming for left backs, but, but but there's no bids. But what? Why do? Where, where are club... the the only concrete thing that's going on, and it's still going on now, is you know the real sassy, you know the real sociedad dry loan. Yeah, but what? And even what... that to me is pointless. It's got to be a loan with an obligation, because when he comes back off loan, you're not going to reintegrate well, him again, we, are you? We, he's we not need gonna, the. He's not we need the funds now, but what I well, can't exactly, work yeah. out is, you know, you're looking at a team like Newcastle, obviously they're screaming out for a left back. Um, but I want to know what has made them go for Lewis Hall ahead of Kieran Tierney. Now, obviously Lewis Hall, good player. Not going to say he's great. He's had a good few games at Chelsea. They bought him for quite a lot of money. Um, certainly not an established player. I don't think they quite know what they're going to get with him. They're, they're bidding on potential essentially. But why have they gone for him over Kieran Tierney. Well, if you look at, I believe, is it Stavely, the woman that's at Newcastle on the exception? Amanda Stavely. Stavely, Stavely. Stavely. Um, well, she, she's part of uh, Clearwater with Bowley that's at Chelsea. So there's a reason why Livramento and Lewis Hall have both gone to Newcastle in that it helps old Todd Bowley out with it. There'll be a lot of players that go between Chelsea and Newcastle, believe me over the next coming years. I don't know how this isn't being investigated as a conflict of interest because the PIF and Stavely both have quite a large controlling stake in Clearwater that own Chelsea. I, I still, to, I, as much as everyone's going on about Man City and their 115 charges, I think people need to look at their, use their eyes, do the old trossard with the magnifying glasses or the binoculars and go, what's happening there? Because that, that to me is not above board either. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot that's happening at Chelsea that's not above board in my eyes. But we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Well, I mean, we don't obviously want to. And I think Adam makes a great comment there as well. As much as Tierney is a great player, how how can how how can you trust him with that injury record? It's true. It's very true. Um, I mean, the only kind of silver lining I would say today is he was available practically all of last season caveat to that is he barely played hence why he was probably available most of the time um and i guess that is a part of the the, the thinking with some of these uh clubs that are potentially looking at him but i can't think of you know any top 10 premier league club now that is potentially going to come in for kieran tierney you know with, with a substantial bid um so i think 
unfortunately, it will end up being a loner. I'd, I'd be amazed if he went to Spain. I really would be. It just doesn't strike me as the sort of club that he would go to. Um, but again, we've got so many players to get rid of. I mean, when you think that Cedric Suarez is still at the club, we've, we've still not found a situation there. As much as I hate to say it, I, I think we're going to be looking towards a, a final week of the window where the likes of Pepe, um, Lacong, hopefully not Lacong. I mean, worst case, we loan him out. But someone like Cedric, Cedric and Pepe, I think are the two that are standing out to me as guys that are going to have their contracts terminated. So that doesn't look good on us. But then what do you do with someone like Rob Holding, who I think could do a job for a lot of Premier League teams in the bottom half of the table? Zero interest in him that we're aware of so far. So we were kind of banking on something happening in this last week of the window. And then I think they've put so many eggs in the let's get a big bid for following Balogun basket. And that's not happened yet. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that develops. But fingers crossed we can raise some funds um, because we do still need to bring one in. I think whether it's a defender or an attacker, I think my inclination now is towards the defender, given the injuries to Tim, but I do feel we're a bit light there. You know, we're one injury away from having Rob holding back in in contention. So that's that's a bit of a scary prospect. So work still has to be done on both fronts, but it's um yeah, get into squeaky bum time. But we won't touch on the negatives for too long. We do have one bit of very, very positive news. Gabriel Jesus is uh back in training. Um a week early, you know, a week or two or three weeks early, in, in fact. And I, for one, cannot wait to see him back in the squad. I do feel like this game probably is is going to be a bit too soon for him. But just to see him back in with the team, I mean, you know, do you think he could be in the uh, in the squad for this one, mate? No, um, possibly on the bench, but I, I, I wouldn't want him starting. Um, I know a lot of people might maybe like if he's fit enough to be on the bench he's fit enough to start and he's the main striker and he should start uh for me last season James I thought Trossard and Ketia when they come and filled in for him did really really well and then when we when he was fit to come back he was rushed in and if you remember he wasn't as good as he was I'm not saying he was terrible because he was still producing but he wasn't as good as he was right for the start from us and I feel that as a team, we suffered because we put Jesus straight back in there. There were times where Trossard, you know, coming off that Fulham game away, Trossard playing in that full nine, and, you know, and Ketia did step up when needed as well last season. I think it was unfair to both of them to take them out for Jesus at that time. I can understand it because he's a big earner. He's a big character in the group. You know, like I said earlier, vice captain, and you've got to justify the transfer fee, a bit like another player that we've got that we'll talk about later. <laughs> and um, so I, I just don't want him rushed, James. I really I really don't want it. He's that important that I don't want him rushed. And I, I think for now, even if going into that Man United game, depending on what happens this weekend, if, if we have another game from Eddie like we did against Palace and he doesn't tuck away his chances, then yeah, swap him out. But if he scores a couple of goals... For me, I'm I'm picking the man that's on form, and that would be Eddie in that situation. I would even against Man United, I would be playing Eddie instead of Jesus. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, it's interesting you bring it up, mate, because I was going to um, ask you if you would be, you know, let's say Eddie has another. I, I think he was good against Palace. I mean, so the, do I. <laughs> the, but the, re, the reason he won't be that elite level striker is because he does miss those opportunities. But you could say the same about Jesus. You know, I really wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jesus put in an identical performance to what Eddie did against Palace and miss those chances. And we're talking about how good his build-up play is and how well he brings the players in around him. Because Eddie did all of that for me. He was great against Palace. That opportunity he fashioned for himself where he was so unlucky. You know, we're talking a couple of centimetres to the right and that goes in the back of the net. If he is to have a really good game at the weekend, you know, let's say he doesn't score, but he has a really positive game and Jesus is on the bench... And then come next Sunday against Manchester United, we've got the option of a fresh Eddie and a fresh Gabriel Jesus. Who starts? I think I think you go with Eddie, don't you? For me, 
um, because he's because he's been in there. He's he's the, he, he would be the form man with with Jesus as much as how brilliant he is and everything else. So you know what he's going to offer you. Coming off this injury, it's still an unknown so far. So I would not be putting Jesus in a situation, especially against Man United. You know, they're he's an ex-City man. They're probably going to want it. They'll probably come and try and take lumps out of him and kick him, especially that Martinez lad. So I, I would I would save him I, and I would keep Eddie in there. Um, again, like you said, I don't think Nketiah had a bad game. I think he did everything that he needed to do apart from score his goals. Like you said, I thought he ran the line well. He dragged people out to let other people in. Just he, he, he's not clinical enough. And that's another criticism, which, yeah, you're right, can be can be levied at Jesus as well. And at, at this time, when you play centre-forward, you are judged on your goals, but you're also judged on your numbers. And if you look at it, two games in, he's got a goal and an assist. So for me, that's numbers, isn't it? You know, he's, st- he's still he's still pulling up something. And like Steve said there, he did create the three biggest chances for the team. So, yeah. He certainly did. And, you know, I think this is one of the reasons why we're potentially seeing Eddie get opportunities ahead of someone like Balogun because he is dedicated when he does play games from the start. You know, he, do- he does impact the team. It's just a question of, for me, if he was to play 10 games, would we still be seeing this level from him? And that's where the question mark would be. But... I think this is the best version of Eddie and Ketty that we've had. You know, uh, we, we've played two Premier League games. We've won two Premier League games. Only three teams in the league have done that, ourselves, Brighton and City. So he's obviously doing something right. And as Steve says, you know, he created the three biggest chances in that game. Got himself a goal against Forest. Great opportunity to get on the score sheet again against Fulham. You know, we'll get onto our team lineup in a minute, but he's certainly one that I'd be starting from the get-go. And um, I think this could be a big season for him. A really big season. I'm really happy for the kids. But one player I do want to talk about just before we get onto the the big one, the predicted lineup, um, is a big one himself, Kai Havertz. Uh, he's obviously divided opinion in these first two games of the season, and you know, first three if we're including the Community Shield as well. Certainly not been as bad as some of the criticism I've seen on social media. I don't think he, you know, was tearing up any trees against Crystal Palace. But at the same time, I thought in that defensive phase of the game provided a very good out ball. And I think he's one of these players very early in the sense that you're either going to love him or hate him and there will be absolutely no in-between. For me, whilst we're winning, I'm not really going to be picking out any criticisms about him. I would love to see more output from him. Um, You know, a goal or an assist for him against Fulham would be fantastic for his confidence and for us to start, you know, getting behind him. But in terms of what he's contributing, in terms of his movement, and I think when Jesus does come back into the team, we could see another level to, to Havertz's game. But I've certainly not been disappointed with him. At the same time, I also want to see more from him. I think if he, if you look at him in isolation, you notice what he does. But if you're watching the game as a whole, it's very easy to bypass what he does. What have you made of him over these past two games? It's Again, again like you said earlier, agreeing with you. Um for me, I thought he was good in terms of. I think he's. I think he won all his duels on the night, and I think he's he's done very well with most of his duels all season. Uh, even going back to the Community Shield, and yeah, he does create gaps and overloads for Martinelli and for uh, Odegaard as well to sort of move into a central space. It's just again, like we were saying about the strikers, he's a sixty-five million pound attacking midfielder. You've got to see, eventually. You have got to see goals and assists from a player at that price because you're not going to get away with, oh, he moves well. Oh, you know, he done that. That's not going to wash for certain sectors of the fan base. And the, the, the biggest criticism I have of him, James, is in the second half, he hit that volley wide. That, that, was, that was the best chance that I've seen him have in the, in the last two games. He, he was unlucky there. But he hangs around the sort of opposition D area, James. And I'm thinking, right, go. Because you're, you're six foot four. Make a nuisance of yourself. Try and win it. But he'll collect it and then he'll either go sideways back to Martinelli or he'll go sideways to whoever's playing in that central midfield space. Either it was Rice or it was Odegaard. I don't know if it's his confidence is so shot from what happened at Chelsea or he's still he's not quite up to speed with his teammates. The teammates aren't quite up to speed with him. 
But I, I'm re- I'm like, you're, you're six foot four. You know, I, I was very fortunate when I was younger and I played football. I was six foot two from the time I was about 10 years old. So I was just told, get in that box against all the other little small kids and just bully them, James, and make a nuisance of yourself. Because I had no real technical, you know, Havertz is so much more technically gifted than I'll ever be. I had no technical quality. I was just a big six foot two boy. <laughs> so it was just like, it beat them up, rough them up, make a nuisance. And if, if you score great, if somebody else scores even better. Um, so, but I, I just don't think he does it enough, James. And, and I don't understand why. And I, I don't know if it's him or he's being told not to do it or what, but I, I was, I got very nerdy the other night and looked at the heat map. And I was so shocked, James, about his entries into the box in, in an attacking sense. Like you said, defensively, when we got to defend the corners and everything else like that, like Giroud used to be, fantastic. Wow. Amazing. But I want to see him be a presence in the opposition box. Do you think there's a part of this where we're potentially shoehorning too many players into that area of the pitch? Now, I know what the thinking is. We want to create those overloads. We want to dominate the opposition penalty area. But when you've got Erdegaard, Havertz, Rice even making those runs in there. And then you combine that with Nketiah, Saka, Martinelli. I do think there is a part of me that thinks having Havertz, Erdegaard, Rice, Partey, because Partey is playing in midfield. He's not playing a right back, even though he lines up there. That is congested. And that might be part of the reason as to why we're potentially seeing this. I've, I think part of it is that Havertz is getting used to the system and playing with his new teammates. I am also surprised that he's starting every game because I didn't see him being that player. I very much saw him as a versatile attacking option, but it seems to me that Arteta values him as someone that is going to be a key member of this team and someone that's going to start games on a regular basis. Um, I just don't know what to make of him at the minute. And... I mean, we might as well get into the predicted lineup um, because he's one of these guys that I think, you know, he's every lineup I've seen for this game, he's been in, he's been out. There's not, kind of no in between. Um, so, JJ, let's start with the defence. I think we all know what it's going to be from you. Same as last season. Well, what about goalkeeper, James? Have you got any, you know, <laughs> there's, there's people there that still think the, they think the goalkeeper should be swapped. Do you? No. No, no, no. Until, 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 until Ramsdale drops an absolute clangor, mate, or he's doing something in training that's not to the level that the club wants and they pick rare instead. Now, Ramsdale for me is no, numero uno still. So, and then, yeah, back four, same as last season, please. Perfect. And actually, whilst I've got this moment, it's completely um, gone over my head that I haven't asked everyone in the chat room to ask any questions. So if you've got any questions for either me, JJ, get them in the chat room. And in the last part of the show, we'll uh, we'll endeavour to answer them before we um, before we say goodbye and have our lovely dinners. But um, before that, mate, we've got to talk about the midfield. Who are you having in there? So I am playing Thomas Party as the six. And then I'm having Declan Rice and Odegaard as the eights. Now, that is interesting because I subscribe to that way of thinking as well. But I've seen hell of a lot of people saying that having Rice and Partey is overkill from a defensive point of view. Now, I completely disagree because I think Rice has all the capabilities to play further up the pitch. He should have had an assist in the game against Palace, let's be honest. And he had two great chances to score against Forrest. So on another day, his numbers could be really up so far this season. So I'm very much in the same camp as you. That midfield three has the potential to be the best midfield three in the league. Yeah. Well, when when we bought him, James, I thought that he was being purchased as an eight to feel what Shaka had been doing. Because you can see he can get up and down. Uh, there has been times where he scored a few goals from range like Shaka does. And um, the, the range of passing... And again, no disrespect to West Ham, but you put in better players around him like Saka and Martinelli, you're going to get assists with those kind of players. So I, I, at the time, thought that he was being purchased as an eight. Or if he was going to be six, it was going to be another year of maybe Thomas Partey being our six. And then he transitions into learning it, you know, from an Arsenal perspective and then takes it over from next season. But I think you made a great point earlier and it would not shock me if it was Thomas Partey at right back 
but he wasn't inverting as much because Sinchenko's back and then White and Saliba as centre-halves. And then it, because uh, I, I still, I, I don't. I hate the he's... idea of that. I, I, know, I know. I know. Just, so just do, because so when, when, you, when you do that, you're essentially saying, okay, Partey, you're playing as a right back. You're not inverting. You are a yeah. more, tradi- not, not a traditional fullback, but you're playing more as a fullback. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we will see big problems. Same. And that's where I would look to, you know, if we're going to play that way, surely it's got to be Ben White. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, people have said earlier, haven't they, in the comments that the attack isn't as conducive. And I think doing that, you do hamper it because you, you don't get that relationship between White and Saka, which is so, so good. And that, that, that to me, that like you said, could cause big, big problems. And just before we do go on to talking about the attack, I mean, one player that we barely discussed at all this season, Ben White has been phenomenal once again, hasn't he? Oh yeah, Ben White's getting into that Monreal territory now. He's—I think he's a better player than Monreal, by the way. I, I did love Monreal, but you remember when Monreal? You just be like eight out of seven 10. out of ten. Before, before eight, he, yeah, seven or eight. Even before he kicked the ball, you just knew that's what he does. He's just a consistency, and that's Ben White. You know, you don't have to talk about him because you know you should. You should talk about him because <laughs> he deserves all the compliments he can get. But you don't. You know, he, he's just Mister Dependable, isn't he? He's just so solid. And it begs and, the question as to why he's not in this England team. I, no, I prefer him not. But you, you know, don't go with the dipsticks, Ben. Stay, stay where you are with us. Don't go with Southgate and the idiots. Keep, stay fit and play as many games for the Arsenal because screw England. Stay with us. That's what I want. I would. Uh, oh, I love Ben White. I could talk about him all day. Beautiful man, beautiful player. And lastly, mate, you're free up top. Yeah, it's uh, easy. <laughs> um, I think it's the easiest of all of them. It's uh, Eddie, Saka and Martinelli. Lovely. L- like I said, Eddie got the numbers. You know, he did get an assist. As much as he didn't score his goals, he did get an assist. And he is, for want of a better word, a, a proper number nine. As much as I do love Trossard, and I think he was our best player in pre-season, yet he hasn't started a game all season. It's baffling. But yeah, it, he, he's not a conventional striker, which Eddie is. He's, Eddie's not clinical. But he is a striker. And again, it's one of those games where he has an opportunity. Like Fulham at home against a poor Fulham side, with all due respect, you know, they're not as good as they were last season so far. We have a really good opportunity for someone like Eddie to get goals. I'm looking at Habits as well. If Whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, opportunity to get goals. Trossard, great assist last season, didn't get enough goals. Opportunity there for him. I, I really want this to be a convincing win. Because although I think we've dominated the two games we have played, on paper it doesn't say that. And it has been a little bit cagey. Whereas I would just love this to be... I would even take just a 2-0 really convincing win. What I would love is a 4-5-0 battering. I don't know if that <laughs> We all would. We all would. Oh, but mate, yeah, like, you know, as satisfying as the results are that you get against the likes of Crystal Palace away from home where you dig in, I don't think you enjoy them as much as when you get an early goal and you can just relax and sit back. Um, and I think that's the perfect opportunity to do that um, in this game. I mean, am I being a bit overzealous or do you think this is where we not can do all. it? Yeah, not at all. No, no, no. They, they, you know, they're, they're a team that, got, like I said, Brentford are well coached with a system and that system works for them some days. Some days it doesn't, but normally at the moment it's working. You know, they've got their two best players. One of them was Raya. We now plays for us and the other one's serving a ban. Yet Wissa and Buemo all still scoring the goals because they're, like I said, they're so well coached in their system and us. Okay. We've got a system that chops and changes, but I feel that for about a year onwards now, that system has been in place. The players know it. They know the assignment. They know what to do. And they're a team that's low on confidence. So, yeah, why, why not pummel them, James? Why not? The ingredients are there for us to give them a slap in. It's just whether we give them a slap in or not, it, we'll wait and see. Well, I mean, whilst we're, we're on that note, mate, what would be your score prediction going into this game and who's going to score for us? I'm going to go 3-0 and I'm going to say Martin Odegaard's going to score the first goal again. And who's going to get the others? Oh, well, you can count Saka in for getting one. And uh, I hope I hope it's Havertz. But it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it was one of the defenders from a set piece because we all know what Leno's like, man. When Leno comes out, he's not he doesn't claim that ball very well. 
you know, the one that we scored last season, wasn't it? Was from him being an idiot, and then Gabriel pounced on it. So, yeah, it would not shock me if a Gabriel or a Saliba got one from a corner or something. Well, I think um, you know we're, we're going to kind of come towards the end of the show as we started it. In that, I completely agree with everything you've you've said there <laughs> regarding the team lineup because it's the exact same. Yeah, I'm sorry for everybody that wanted us to have a row. Uh... No, it's, it's not going to happen. We never could, mate. And also, I, I'm going for the exact same score prediction. Um, a three 0 win be absolutely perfect. I'm going to go with a slightly different score. I think Eddie's going to get two. I think Martinelli's going to get one. Um, also, one thing you know, it's just it's just been on my mind a little bit this season. We've got a lot of English players starting for us. I know that, you know people do not care about that in the slightest, but for me, I think you know that is a big positive. You know, we we had the British core about ten years ago of Cole Jenkinson and Kieran Gibbs, um, and bless him, Jack Wilshere, Aaron Ramsey. But when you compare it to this this gr- cohort of English players that we've got now, Ramsdale, White, Saka, um, Declan Rice, I mean, it's really really elite, isn't it? Yeah, 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 and and they get it. They, they get how important it is. They, they get the club. They get how important certain games are and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I love them all. I, this is, you know, I, I don't like to use the word hate, so I'll change it for dislike. But there was a time a few years back, James, where I disliked a lot of players that played for this club. Not only on a football level, but I didn't think they were not, I didn't think they were great as, as humans either. Uh, but this, this lot, seem to be, you know, genuinely good people outside of football, just as much as they are in it. I mean, there was the picture today, wasn't there, that Zinchenko's uh, daughter, little, the little girl with, with yeah. the dog because the preschool's near and uh, on the way back, she likes <laughs> she likes coming in and taking Wynn for a walk. So well, it's <laughs> that's all, the kind of content I want to see, James. I want it's all those little content. things, mate. I mean, they... This is like they are a beautiful group of humans. It has to be said. Like they're fantastic players, but I feel personally very connected to people. You know, Rice is a hundred and fifteen, ten hundred and ten million pound player, whatever he is. But I feel so connected to him because he just seems like such a down to earth guy. You know, Saka, really humble guy. Martinelli, really humble. Erdegaard, just a lot of them. They're just down to earth, humble guys that are working towards this this fantastic project that we're building at Arsenal. I, I mean, I don't know if our PR is so good that it stays hidden, James, but you don't hear anything nasty about any of them. And some some people that are in the chat, especially Amanda, she's she was privy to go to the thing with Saka, wasn't it, last season? And she said that he picked the microphone up and thanked her. He didn't have to do that, but he did. Um, I went to a Q&A with the Invincibles, which was Ray Parler, Lauren, and Gilberto and Ray Parler spoke that when they did the wraparound of the stadium, the, you know, where they did like the gallery, Mm -hmm. Odegaard went to that. And he said, he spent so much time with every individual group of people, even if it was two minutes, five, he made sure that he went around to every single person and spoke to them. But he also said that he spent a lot of time with Ray Parler, just asking him about, you know, you were inside to Arsenal that won major honors. What was that like? Tell to you, I'll sit and listen, and you tell me, you know, because I want to know how you know what what the fans, how important this all is. And they, he said they very very they take it all in, they're very articulate, you know, they listen, and it, they they know how important it is to them. And I think that that goes back to the manager who's been a captain of this club. He knows the standards as well of what it is to be at Arsenal. Edu knows the standards. So Murtasaka, that's there, he knows. So yeah, it's all it's all good. It's all good in terms of the players, man. I'm very very happy. We've just got to get better at selling, and we have reached football That's perfection. It. That's that is it. it. Everything yeah. else, you, the culture, the football, taking care of itself. Just quick, just quick. I'll throw a quick little question out there because I know, like you said, you want your wonderful dinner, as do I. <laughs> um, I don't know if it is wonderful. I don't know what I've got tonight. Well, I've got leftover Chinese. So I'm oh, there he is. <laughs> um, do you think we are going to buy? Because I'm being I'm being chastised for thinking we're still getting one more in. I think and I think depends. that's regardless of sales or anything. Like you said, I think we're too thin not to buy somebody. So I think we're still going to buy somebody. I think it'd be very dangerous if we didn't. Um, I think we could get away without signing an attacker. I don't think we need to worry about that as much as some people are making out. You know, if if there was an opportunity to some sign someone like Kudus earlier on in the window, I think we'd have done it. Um, the fact that we haven't, I think, is pretty telling. You know, we've got that that trio that we're going to likely see start at the weekend. But then we've got Jesus coming back. We've got Trossard, um, who can basically operate anywhere in those 
you know, front three positions. We've got Reese Nelson. We've got Smith Rowe that can play there. We saw Fabio Vieira play on the right. We've got this six foot four German now who can play as up, up top if we need him to. So I don't think we desperately need a versatile attacking forward as some people are making out. It would complete the puzzle, I think, if Timber had stayed fit, but we're not in that situation now. And given the devastating news to Timber, I think it would be silly of us not to sign a defensive reinforcement because essentially we've got the same defence as last season, which is fine because it was fantastic. But if we get an injury to Saliba, and White or Saliba and Tomiyasu, we're back to Rob Holding at the back, which um, I love the guy, but it's it time, time has gone on and his time at Arsenal uh, should be drawing to a close. Um, and we need, if we're going to be serious about competing on all fronts, not just for the Premier League, but going for the Champions League, League Cup, FA Cup, trying to go for all four, which I think Arteta wants, then you can't have Rob Holding in there on a regular basis. So we need to sign someone for that right-hand side of defence. So in answer to your question, I hope we do. I don't know if we will. I think it will depend on sales because our squad is very bloated at the minute. Otherwise, we're back to Cedric and holding, which will be fun. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. Yeah, so hopefully. I live in hope. <laughs> Me too, mate. Me too. But um, look, I won't keep you too much longer. We've just got a couple of questions before we wrap up. So Steve Stone has got two questions. This is his first one. Has Havertz been any worse than Bergkamp or Henri starting his Arsenal career? No, not for me. They, no. t- they, what was it? Seven games before they took in before they got goals. Both of them were against. I mean, if Southampton was still in the league, you'd be happy. You'd be thinking, oh, yeah, this is where it's going to happen. But sadly, not anymore. Look, it's early days, isn't it? With Havertz, um, I think after ten games is where you, you, you're going to have to judge him. If he's still not convincing people after that point, then. Um, I think, you know, rightly there could be cause for concern, but he started two games. We've won two games. You know, that's about as many as he won with Chelsea last season. So, you know, he can't be doing that badly. Let's just give him a bit of time. Um, and I will go on to the next one from Steve Stone. If we go to a back forward, Ben White as a right back, how long will it be before he gets a yellow for time wasting? I think that's on throw-ins. Oh, with these refs, mate. <laughs> You know, they're more cards than Clinton's, aren't they? White does take a long time with throwing, so it has to yeah. be said. Yeah. Well, he, he's one of the only players that we've got that has that little nasty streak in him, which I don't mind. But yeah, you, you now you've got to be a bit more careful. Definitely. Um, and last one from Phil Macker, regular watcher of the show. Hope you're doing well, Phil. How long will it be before Rice is made captain? I hope a long time because I love Odegaard. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> um, I, 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 as much as I love Declan Rice and I think he's a brilliant captain, we've seen it. Um, I, I don't want Odegaard not to be our captain. I, I love Martin Odegaard. So the only way that Rice will be captain is if he leaves. And um, I don't want Odegaard to leave. Sorry. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, they're the same age, aren't they? So I can't see... I think that there's going to be a point where the two of them kind of alternate that captain's armband, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't need the armband to be a leader in this team. We're just so lucky to have him and, you know, another great leader in Martin Erdegaard. As we have, you know, the likes of Gabriel, Ben White, Saliba, Ramsdale, just a group of you know, very humble guys, as I was saying, but guys that are also um, leaders on the pitch. But we have got, oh my God, one last question coming from a Mr. Carl Stark. This is this is going to take some analysis. This one, who's going to win the league, mate? <laughs> Us, easy. easy. You reckon? Do, yeah, do you I, actually reckon? Two I, games I've, in. I've said it from the start. I've said it from preseason. Have you seen enough from this Arsenal team so far to make you think that? No, but I drink a lot of Pepsi Max, James. So that'll do. You know, I, I get that'll a bit dizzy. It. I get I get excited. I get love tokens in me. So. Uh, I just believe, uh, yeah, I believe we're going to do it. Well, on that note, mate, I think that's a, a good and appropriate time to end the show. Thank you so much for coming you've, on board, mate. You've skipped Amanda's question, which is which is grand, mate. I appreciate that. You don't need to ask that one. Skip, uh, <laughs> I'm not clicking on that one. <laughs> we all we all know the answer. Don't worry. Um, right, Amanda okay. knows. The, Amanda knows the answer as well. Yeah, and, and it's my my nemesis. <laughs> all righty um well mate thank you ever so much for coming on 
tonight. It was a pleasure, as always, podcasting with you. Um, believe you're doing your own stream tonight, aren't you, at 8 o'clock? Yes, I will be on at 8 o'clock on my channel, uh, James Johnston Football, if you're not already there. The links are up on my Twitter, so if you follow that on there, in the bottom here, it will all, it will all come up and you can join in if you wish to join in. You're not obliged to. I'd like you to, but... You know, we'll be sort of probably the same sort of discussion that we've had here, James. If you want to listen to it twice, <laughs> then by all means, crack on. I'll no, be I happy mean, to have them. I'll be happy to have them. Mate, your football opinion is one of the best out there, in my opinion. Uh, love love, love having you. Well, I mean, just the way you talk, mate, it's so eloquent. It's so, so just, just, it's really, you know, it gets me nice and uh, it's like a therapy for me almost, mate. No, so, I appreciate yeah, it. Like no, that. it's a um, pleasure, as always, having you on the show. You've been on here a few times. Now, hopefully we'll get you on a lot more throughout the course of the season. Um, hopefully for the next preview show as well. No obligation, but if you fancy it, let me know. And um, yeah, I think that that's it from us at the same old Arsenal podcast. Just before we go, mate, where can people find you? Yeah, just like on the screen, at LLCoolJames91 on the Twitter, and all the links are in there in the bio. Lovely. So from myself and JJ, thank you ever so much for watching. Let's hope for that 3-0 win against Fulham. Have a great evening, and we'll see you later. Up the Arsenal. Podcast Network.